When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Radio's Patriots Beats, and it is special because we have our good friends, Steve Belichary and Russ Goldman, both PatsFans.com bloggers, and they also do the podcast at Patriots 4th and 2, and among other things, we are very happy to have them on. As I said, I am Jeff Kane, your host. Bob Snowden, my co-host, is joining us tonight. So, gentlemen, how are we doing? Well, I'm ready to take on the world. I've got about 18 pages of different things in front of me. Russ has already said he's ignoring them all. Steve is blurry-eyed, um, and you never pay any attention to me anyway. So whatever we do, I'm ready. <laughs> well, well, before we start, Russ, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, we all know where to find you, but uh, let's uh, let's hear you hear it out. Sure. Listen, I do a show with Steve called Patriots Fourth and Two, along with Derek Havens. Uh, we're probably going to do it each and every week, once a week, uh, following up on the Patriots games and previewing the games coming up. Steve and I also do another show called Patriots Central Radio, as Steve is the host and I'm the co-host, along with our friend Murph. Uh, we do that as well. And uh, you guys might, might be aware of this. I, I do a good amount of soccer talk. Uh, I, have a, I have a show called Cottage Talk on blogtalkradio.com. And I recently just recorded, as a co-host, uh, another episode of the uh, um, I almost said World Cup Soccer Cast, the uh, Soccer Cast on <laughs> WEI, which I do with Ben Kitchen. So I'm pretty much all over the place, guys. He is. He's all over the place. I always laugh when I sit there and I hear Russ from Walpole is on the line because I know exactly who it is when I'm listening to WEI. And <laughs> it's, you know what, even for a guy who does not like the European football, I enjoy your podcast. When, so thank you very much, Russ. We're gonna we're gonna push it over to Steve and okay. let him introduce himself. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I always like listening to you guys' podcasts, and uh, really excited because the, the NFL season is back. I was really excited on Thursday night watching a, a real live game for four quarters. You know, two really good teams. So, and really stoked to do this podcast tonight. Excellent, and my I, my co-host really needs no introduction. He's an old friend, Bob Snowden. Well, I'm going to start by asking everybody a question because the Patriots injury list really doesn't <clears throat> excuse me doesn't mean a whole bunch. But we all panicked for a day when when Brady didn't show up for practice, which never happens, because of a calf injury. Now he came back and did practice. The next day, but how important is that calf injuries, guys? Do you think that'll lead anywhere, Steve? Not really. I, I, I'm not particularly concerned about it. And Tom Brady was on the radio, uh, I think, at halftime during the uh, Packers and Seahawks game, and you know he was saying that uh, it was more of a precautionary thing, and he's going to play through it, and which I, I really expected him to do. I'm not really concerned about it. We'll, we'll watch him, obviously, tomorrow closely, but uh, unless he's showing signs of really being hurt, I'm not concerned with it at all. Jeff, you're our grunt guy. He's going to play. He said he's going to play. He told the whole world he was going to play and got kind of shot down a little bit by the coach. Well, what was your reaction to Mr. Belichick's comments after uh, after Gronk went out on that uh, 
on that line. He's lying. Yeah. Bill Belichick's <laughs> lying. I mean, doesn't he know that I'm the Nostradamus of Patriots football? I called it back in March that he would play week one. It's going to happen. Bill Belichick is lying, and that's okay. I want my coach to lie because I don't want Joe Philbin knowing one bit what's going to happen. You know, Gronk's crazy. You know, you guys know Gronk. You know, you, you could tell him the sky was green and he'd believe you. So he's just out there going, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play. I mean, you, you know, he's 24 years old, excited kid. Um, he doesn't quite get, you know, what it means to just shut up and do your job, but that's okay. As long as he's out there catching touchdown patches, well, it, I'm good to go. And does everybody kind of think that Belichick was just kind of putting him in his place a little bit, saying, shut your mouth, big guy? Is is Are we all feeling that that's probably the only reason Belichick even responded after he did it? Russ? Well, you know, listen. We both know here, I should say not we, you know, all of us know that uh, that Belichick doesn't want them to speak, doesn't want them to talk, and that's basically his way of saying who's in charge. You know, uh, Belichick is in charge, Gronkowski's not in charge, and Jeff is Nostradamus because I, I truly believe he will play, and he will play, hopefully, knock on wood, all 16 games going into the playoffs, and uh, let's hope for a Super Bowl run. Uh, but um, he's very he's very important. I truly believe he's going to play. And if he's seventy five percent, I'd be happy to see him out there. And Steve and I have talked. Even if it's on a limited basis, just having Gronkowski out there changes the game. And uh, you know, it, even if he's a little bit of a decoy, not not a huge decoy like he was in the Super Bowl a few seasons ago. But but even if he's not the same player right off the bat, I still think he makes a difference. So. So uh, I do expect him to play, and uh, even if it's on a limited basis, I'm all for it. I think right there, Russ, is where you really hit the nail on the head, because even as that's a limited basis, last year we saw the New England Patriots be able to move the ball between the 20s, no problem at all. So they can go out and, and you know, play with Amendola and Edelman and all the other guys and move it down to the 20, 15-yard line, and then you bring old number 87 in, and he opens up so many things they can do in the red zone. So even if it's only 20 to 30 plays on Sunday or less, just in the red zone, it's going to open up things so much. Well, and it's really interesting because this year in the red zone preseason, they've been pretty good after being horrendous last year, even without Gronk. Uh, the health of Amendola, the the acquisition uh, of, of another tight end who can actually catch the ball once in a while uh, in right uh, they've looked pretty good, and I know preseason doesn't really mean anything, but they've looked good in the red zone. They have yeah. looked good in the red zone. They, they have, but you know now now you get into that element of game planning, and that's the one thing you know that you have to watch out for. And you know now that Dobson's back, and you know that's a, that's the other X factor. in on Sunday, you know when they're they're going down there now. You know, last year they basically went down to Miami with, as Tom Brady calls it, his pygmies, you know, with Edelman and uh, Amendola. And now they have Dobson, LaFell. They have this new kid, Tim Wright. And, and uh, with Gronkowski back, now you have four big targets in the red zone. And that's going to open up some, you know, real estate for those smaller guys underneath. Let's let's swing around everybody one at a time, uh, looking at the key matchups in this game. Um, and I'm gonna you you guys have all seen mine, so no one can use that one. Okay, <laughs> I'll I'll go last, but if you steal mine, I'm dead in the water here. So oh crap, I didn't read your stuff. I don't know which key to the game is. What a great Patriots beat manager is. I didn't even read your stuff. Thanks a lot, buddy. So let let me start with Steve. So you have a chance, Jeff, to kind of glance real quick. Steve, if you looked at the matchups in the game, what's the biggest matchup you're looking for? I'm looking any kind of matchup where the Patriots isolate their linebackers. And Russ and I talked about this the other day. If you look at the Dolphins, I think they have a very good defense, but if they have a weakness, it's at the linebacker position in both the running game and the passing game, I think. And I think that's where Tom Brady's going to look to attack. You know, uh, Koamisi, I don't believe, is going to play on Sunday. Now, Wheeler was also ruled out. So, uh, you know, I think any kind of matchup where they're going to try to isolate the linebackers in coverage, be it with Gronkowski or Wright, or possibly with a running back like Shane Vereen, if they can put him one-on-one on a linebacker, I think that's a total win for the Patriots. 
How about you, Russ? What are you looking at in the game as, as the key thing you would watch during the game as a matchup? Well, it's funny because Steve's talking about about the linebackers. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the Patriots linebackers covering covering Charles Clay or who is going to cover Charles Clay. That to me is going to be a key part of this game. And uh, I believe it was a key to leave in the last game that actually covered uh, Charles Clay. And they you know they really blanketed him. And and for me, a major weakness for the Patriots defense for several years has been covering tight ends. And uh, I want to see how they're going to cover this guy because he's really going to be the security blanket for, for Ryan Tannehill. I think they need to take him away. And everyone's focused on it, and, and, and I know your, your key matchup is important, but I'll go one step further. I actually think covering, covering Clay is a little bit even more important because he's going to be the guy that's going to move the sticks. So um, Mike Wallace, and again, I'm sorry if I'm blowing it, Bob. Blowing no, that's all right. Just don't go too someone, far here. It's <laughs> someone God, that someone can actually be the game breaker, but but uh, but to move the sticks, I think Charles Clay is going to be your guy. So so for me, I'm I'm concerned about who's going to be covering that guy and trying to take him away. And I think you nailed it, actually, Russ, because although that's not mine, and and you kind of hinted around what mine's going to be, but the Patriots, you're absolutely right, have had trouble covering tight ends. Um, for now going back at least three or four years that I can remember. And even this preseason, they were not re- – I thought that James Anderson, who's no longer with them, was going to make the team, and he was going to be a key component of covering that tight end right. out, of the, out of the backfield. Well, he's gone, uh, and you've got Collins, but, I, gee, I'm, I'm with you a little bit on that one, that, that that's a key element uh, and and – Jeff, have you figured out what mine is now, Jeff? So you go ahead, and then I'll go last. I really haven't figured it out. Remind me to fire. Well, Scott you want Baines. me to? You want me to go ahead? No, 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 no. I got it. I got okay. it. I got okay. it. Remind me to fire Scott Baines off Patriots uh, the beat staff because he <laughs> writes way too much stuff. I can't find anything but what he writes. So I'm gonna just kind of guess what you did, okay. and I'm just gonna say, all right. Well, actually, what I am looking at as a key matchup is. Uh, Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator for the uh, – well, he used to be with the Philadelphia Eagles, now with the Miami Dolphins, what he can do in changing this offense. We saw what they did under Mike Sherman against the Patriots last year. Really didn't have a ton of success. So I'm worried about what's going to happen with this hurry-up offense that he can bring in here. Of course, he's uh, you know, a student of the Chip Kelly offense. going to be a lot of misdirections. Ryan Tannehill has you know, some wheels. He can do the read option. And now they have two guys, no Sean Moreno. And, of course, uh, Lamar Miller, who can both catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm a little worried to see what happens there. And as I was doing um, you know, research on my behind-enemy-lines stuff, I was looking and seeing that uh, the Patriots last year were just horrible covering backs out of the backfield. Anytime there was a third and 10, third and 15, it was a screen pass, a swing pass, and there was some terrible tackling. So twofold, looking to see how they – handle the the up-tempo speed of the uh, Miami Dolphins now that they are going to be running something closer to what Chip Kelly did in Philadelphia and also in Oregon, and then exactly, you know, the tackling for the Patriots. Is this defense improved enough to make the tackles? Well, and tackling was a little issue again in the preseason, but we didn't see enough of the the starters, the regular players. I mean, Mayo didn't play the whole preseason. So tackling was an issue and has been an issue this preseason. So you're right, Jeff. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Bob. I'm sorry to break in. Can I can I give uh, my counter to uh, to Jeff talking about the offensive sure. coordinator for the sure. Dolphins? And again, Jeff, Jeff, you, you have every right to bring that up. Here's my counter to this. Here's here's if you're a Dolphins fan, you should be concerned. And it starts with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback that, again, we're talking about in the past, holds the ball for a good amount of period of time. Can he adapt to this quick? strike offense, meaning the quick passes. Can he adapt his game, and how quickly can he adapt to that? Because he reminds me of a quarterback that, that takes more time, like a, like a Ben Roethlisberger, and then you're going to put him in an offense that's really not geared to his skill set. How is he going to react to this offense? That's a great point there, because you know what? With Ryan Tannehill, he, he took his 
college head coach and went to the NFL with him, of course, and Sherman, who was the offense coordinator before, right. he showed improvement underneath him. And, and you're right. He isn't the quickest decision maker. So, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you that, Russ. I don't mind giving you that. But why don't we let let's let Bob talk, because I have no clue what the hell is key to the game. Is. <laughs> well, I, yeah, mine is Revis against Wallace and, and whether Wallace. <sighs> What was that? Was that did Jeff just I knew become it. sick? <laughs> I knew it, and I just, I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to overguess myself. Yeah. I thought you were going to, you know, talk about, you know, your key to the game was how much Mike Reese covered it. <laughs> well, I got that later on. Did you notice that on the sheet a little bit later on the inactives list? But, but anyway, <laughs> it will be interesting to see whether Reva stays on one side and Mike Wallace flip flops or not, uh, because if. Revis is one-on-one against Wallace, he'll shut Wallace down. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So then they come back to what are the rest of the team? And you had mentioned Clay Russ uh, yourself and how important he was. But that long bomb is just not going to happen if Revis is up against Wallace. But the question is, will Revis play on one side the whole game or will he flip-flop? Uh, Dennard is going to start opposite him. Uh, and that was even a question mark right up until a couple of days ago. But right now on the depth chart, they do have him as as the the opposite side starter. So it'll be interesting to see. But I'm I'm interested to see. Uh, here we got this great guy that we think is going to be a major uh, influence on our defense, along with the return of the the injured players that we have. And very first game, he's going to be going against a pretty darn good wide receiver. And, you know, if he can shut down Wallace, um, I'm convinced the rest of the defense. I think this is, from a from a secondary standpoint, uh, if people are worried. I, the only part of the secondary that I'm, I think worries me a little bit is the, the strong safety. Uh, but as far as cornerbacks go and as far as what this team can put together on defense, um, remember how many times we saw Tannehill getting sacked last year. Part of that was just what you said a few minutes ago, Russ. He's slow getting rid of the ball, but he also has a horrendous offensive line last year, and it's all new this year, and it takes a while for an old line to, to get together. And and going down that old line, what about the Patriots' offensive line, Steve? What are, is it still in flux? Exactly. You know, we don't even know who the five guys, uh, where they're going to be lining up. We kind of have a feeling of who they're going to be, but we really don't know where they're going to line up yet. Uh, that That's a question. And, you know, Bill Belichick kind of hinted the other day that, you know, that they were going to continue to evolve with this and kind of mix and match. So we kind of all think that it's going to be Solder, Klein, Wendell, Conley, and Vollmer. But do we really know where all of these guys are going to be lining up at? Yeah. Uh, that's a, right now. That's kind of a question, and Marcus Cannon is still, you know, in the mix. I think with that uh, line. Well, and, and the uh, quote, the quote Belichick made Steve, and and a couple of days, I think it was Friday. Uh, I think we have a lot of good players with that position on the offensive line. We'll see how we end up playing it, but we could end up playing more than five. And that, you know, that was a quote from him just a couple of days ago. So it, it's in flux. Do you think Miami's yeah. offensive line is ready to take on the challenge uh, of, of holding out a pass rush? And, and will the Patriots in their rush um, do a lot of blitzing, do you think? Jeff, I'll throw that one to you. I'm excited to see one thing, and, and that's the interior pass rush for the New England Patriots. I think we might see a little bit of Dominic Easley on third downs. Now, he hasn't played at all in the preseason, just uh, you know, cleared to uh, to take 11-on-11s about two weeks ago. So I think they're going to work him along slowly. But we saw what Chris Jones last year did. Of course, he was drafted by the uh, Houston Texans. And then by way of Tampa Bay releasing him, uh, he ends up on the Patriots team and, and had five-and-a-half sacks last year. So a rotation with Vince Wilfork, Chris Jones, Silva Salinga, and Dominic Easley. I'm excited to see what they can do up the middle without Mike Pouncey, of course, being there for the Dolphins. I mean, he's a, a very good center. Um, and I'm sorry, is it Mike or – it's one of the Pouncey brothers. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. But, uh, the one one but of the I'm ones looking... that had a Hernandez jersey and hat on. Yeah. <laughs> one of the accomplices, yeah. maybe. Who knows? But uh, – <laughs> 
but I'm interested to see, you know, we, we all know what Chandler Jones can do. I'm expecting a huge season from him, and we know what Rob Ninkovich can do. He'll show up when he has to show up. But I'm really excited to see what the interior of that offensive line, uh, defensive line can do against a, as you said it, Bob, an offensive line that is, is basically piecemealed together just like the Patriots might be. So we're going to see what happens. And, and it's going to be very interesting when you look at the lockdown corner that Darrell Revis can be and whether they line him up one-on-one or if they, you know, keep him with uh, with regular two uh, two safety up coverage, or if they roll the coverage to the other side, I'm very interested to see exactly what Matt Patricia draws up. So I would expect four. I would expect rushing, you know, the regular four at from time to time, and then, you know, sending uh, sending an extra uh, rusher, whether that be Mayo or Hightower, who did it at Alabama. But it'll be interesting to see what they end up dialing up now that they have the talent in the secondary. Now, Russ, let me ask you real quick. It's sure. going to be hot. It's really hot. I'm I'm in Florida as we speak. It was 99 degrees here. Uh, I'm about two hours from Miami, so it's going to be hot. Now, I know one of the, the, the thoughts is, well, the Patriots have been practicing in the heat. They haven't been in heat anywhere near like they're going to hit Sunday. Second half of the game, who is that going to impact the most, and, and will the Patriots be able to play at f- even – 50% efficiency with 10 minutes left in the ballgame if it's a close game. What are your thoughts? Wow, that's a great question. And first of all, I want to mention this because I was in Jacksonville about a month ago, and you cannot compare the weather being hot here compared to being down there, and that's in Jacksonville, the northern part of the state. It's, it's, a, it's a factor. I mean, I would walk five feet in, in dripping sweat. So, so, it's so you're a, telling me it's not a dry heat? Yeah, no, no. it's not Arizona. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not a dry heat. Well, what's interesting about about this game? Again, this is this is fascinating because uh, this is when the running game could really make a difference. And Steve and I were talking about this. Um, if the Patriots can run the ball well in the second half, they might actually. This might be a way to, I guess you could say, almost beat the Heat and play back the Heat to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, because again, I think running the ball in the second half for either team could be the difference in the game. If the I, I think the I think the way the Patriots have to play this game is that they have to play from ahead, and uh, and and they have to have the ability to be up going into the second half late in that game, and finish off the Miami Dolphins by basically running down their throats. That's when they can use the heat to their advantage. If it's a close game and we're talking a one-score game, it's it, listen. This is going to be tough on the Patriots because because the uh, the weather could be a factor. The way to the way the, the I guess you could say the way for me to see them using it to their advantage is to play from ahead. Now, if and Jeff just had an orgasm. I'm sorry, but you were talking about the <laughs> running game, and he just you know went off in the corner all by himself. <laughs> sorry, Jeff. Are you back, Jeff? It's all right. My okay, wife's buddy? just going to be upset later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but, you know, I want to add on to what Russ just said ahead. about, you know, I mean, not about the running game. I won't talk about the running game. Sure. But <laughs> the one thing that I'm going to say about, um, you know, the heat and how I think this actually could be an advantage to the New England Patriots, not that they're used to playing in this heat, but how deep they are this year. I mean, we've already said that Belichick says we'll probably end up playing more than five guys on the offensive line. I mean, we've got big bodies out there that are going to be – be playing, you know, and playing a lot. You've got the defensive line and how many guys they can move in and out, depending on whether they're playing an odd or an even man front. They can move guys in and out. I mean, the depth is unbelievable. Last year with all the injuries, you know, we have guys, as I said, with Chris, uh, you know, Chris Jones and Volano and Silva Salinga, guys who were backups and you wouldn't think anything anything about them, now have starters reps. So these guys are going to move in. And can you know they're not going to give you everything that Vince Wilfork does, but how far is the drop off going to be? And then you start looking at that secondary with guys like Malcolm Buck, but, uh, Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, Alfonso Dennard, Kyle Arrington. They're going to be able to keep fresh legs the entire time, and I just don't see the Dolphins being as deep. So I, I think it actually could work to the Patriots' favor. Other than the Dolphins are used to it more because they're practicing in it right now. I mean, as we speak. 
and and over the last couple of weeks they've gotten used to that heat. And I, I agree, Jeff. I think the depth is a difference because that's one of the things when you look at this year's Patriots, other than a couple of positions, linebacker, they're still they're going to flip flop. I they're going to have to with the personnel they have, the three four, the four three, and rotating who's in there. Um, but they are still a little thin at linebacker. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Steve? They, they are, and that was one of the things that, you know, uh, we were talking about on our other show this week that, uh, you know, they need some added depth at that linebacker position. I know that at times Ninkovich is going to stand up and Chandler Jones might stand up, but that's something that they, they're going to have to address, I think, fairly quickly because if any of these guys go down, you know, then uh, then they're looking at putting guys in there that, aren't really suited to play defense. It's like Chris White, to me, is, is a special teams player in the same manner that Matthew Slater is. I don't really consider Chris White a linebacker. Like, I don't really consider uh, Matthew Slater a wide receiver. He, he's a specialist, and that's about it. But, uh, you know, I think that they're going to mix and match like we talked about, and Dante Hightower will probably be that guy that rotates in and out and, uh, you know, it is a, a, a concern going forward into this game tomorrow, but it's not a big concern tomorrow. I think that they have a game plan already worked out. You know, if they can come out of this game unscathed, I think they're going to be in good shape. Well, and Hightower, Hightower has trouble covering tight ends out of the backfield. Russ, going back to what you were talking about earlier, man, right. he, just, he, he just can't cover a tight end. Cut and dried. If we're going to rely on him to cover a tight end who slips, you know, over the middle, you forget it because he just can't keep up with it. If he's in the position to use his strengths, and I think we're going to see him rush a little more this year, uh, then then fine. But man, he worries me when when teams are relying on a tight end coming across the middle, and and I and I go back there looking Jeff at, at the Patriots in Miami. They've played each other. You know, what twenty-four times I think it is. And Brady's seventeen and seven against Miami. Uh, now at home he's eleven and one, but on the road he's had trouble down in Miami. He's just six and six. Uh, what, is Brady going to shine? Do you think going in? And 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 is this going to be a game that he doesn't have to because of his other offensive weapons? What are your thoughts, Jeff? I mean, that goes back to, you know, Brady's first season, his second start against Miami. They got absolutely pulverized. I think it was 30-10. to 10. Uh, You know, Brady has a hard time down there. I don't know exactly what it is because he has owned them in New England. And it is always because of the, you know, it's they're playing in cold weather in New England because last year they played up here, you know, in October. And it was it was a rather warm day. But I don't see where it is. I mean, Miami has really given him such fits such fits down there and I don't know if it's a stadium if it's the crowd if it's the fact that you know they're playing in their blue uniforms on the road and that's messing with his head I I don't know but what I gotta say about you know this game is this is a game that I, I really can see going either way because I think Miami is an improved team um, but I think as I said with everything around Brady not only on offense but on defense I think the superior team can come out on top. I just think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think, not only in the season, but also, um, you know, not only in this game, but in the season in the division. I think Miami is, is the next, next team up. And, and when you look at, at these two teams and you look at last year, because Miami was in the playoffs with three games left in the season, they, they had to completely collapse, and they did, not to be in the playoffs. But they played a lot of tight games last year, just as the Patriots did. Both of them played 10 one-possession games. So the end of the game, you know, it's give or take. The Patriots were very lucky. Uh, and, and, you know, you make your own luck. I'm not going to go down that road. But being 12-4, and four, they were 7-3 uh, in, in games won or lost by one possession. Um, and... You know, you could have gone either way in those games. And Miami was pretty good, too. They were 6-4. and four. They beat Indy, Atlanta, uh, Cincinnati, San Diego, Pittsburgh, and they beat New England that time, the, the last time. Uh, 
So they beat some pretty good teams last year, and they should be better this year than they were last year. Or do you think they're not better this year than they were last year, Russ? Well, I think, you know, again, their offensive line is something that, that they need to be concerned about. You know, similar to how the Patriots should be concerned about, I would say, the interior offensive line. But but when you're talking about five different players on an offensive line, uh, I think that's a concern. Uh, are, are they better at, at some positions? Yeah. Uh, I think their defense is extremely solid. So, so for me, you know, again, I look at I look at divisional games. You know, people make fun of the AFC East all the time, and I'm here to tell you that I sweat every one of these games. I know I know this game is going to be extremely close. And like Jeff said, it could very easily go either way. I'm not I'm I'm not here going to say the Patriots are going to go in there and get an easy victory. I don't see it that way. You know, and 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 they are better. They are better in certain positions, but they have. They have question marks, and and again, when you're changing an offense, to me, that's a question mark. You know, it could be a positive down the road, but you know, again, I, I I've seen this before with a new offense. Yes, they could catch the Patriots off guard be, because they're going to be running the Philadelphia offense. Okay, but something tells me the Patriots are going to be ready for that. But here's the thing: how quickly can they gel? How quickly can the offensive line? get on the same page. How quickly can Tannehill pick up this offense and make the quick decisions if it is going to be this Eagle-style um, excuse me, offense? So, yes, they, are, they, are, they could be better in certain positions, but they have, I think, more, many more question marks than the Patriots do coming into this game. Well, and when you talk about Tannehill, we go right back to what you said at the beginning. He is not a quarterback that seems to be made for a hurry-up offense uh, no. for, for a lot of reasons. His slow release, his slow decision-making, uh, he, he just hasn't shown a tendency to be able to think quickly when the ball comes back to him at quarterback and adjust to the defense. Now, one of the things when I look at this game, and, and you know, you look at trends, you look at what's happened in, in history, but history is history. History doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, uh, you're out there, all new players mainly, a whole new season, a whole new thought process. However, the Patriots, they've won 10 straight season opening games. That's... If, if they win this one, they'll actually tie for second place in the history of the NFL. Uh, and it'll be Miami they tie, ironically. Now, is it a good thing or a bad thing to have a streak like that going into the season, kind of like the year they were undefeated until the Super Bowl? I kept hoping they'd lose a game somewhere before that and before the playoffs because it's just unnatural to do it for a whole season. Steve, is it good or bad that they've won so many opening games? I think it's a positive. It, it shows to me that Bill Belichick is prepared for the season when they start, and that means the team is ready. They, they've looked ahead. And, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that they're playing a team that's going to run the Philadelphia, you know, style, hurry up, up-tempo with Bill Lazor, and the Patriots had the Philadelphia Eagles in for joint practices before the preseason game. So, they, they, you can guarantee that Bill Belichick was watching everything how Philadelphia runs that offense for the, those four days that they were here, you know, the three joint practices and, you know, the, uh, the preseason game itself. And, you know, they, they're prepared for this. I mean, they might show them a wrinkle or two that they haven't seen before, but nobody's better at adjusting at halftime than Belichick. And that's, you know, it goes to, his preparedness is what always gets them through these early preseason games when there's so little tape to watch. Yeah, the last time they lost that opening game, and Jeff and I talked about this last week, was after they had released uh, Lawyer Malloy and went to Buffalo and got destroyed. And Jeff was at that game, so it was his mm, fault that they me. lost it. But now they've released Mankins, Jeff. How much <laughs> you, you think this possibly could be similar to that scenario? No, 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 it's just not. Although the only thing that could be similar is the fact that uh, they might win the Super Bowl this year. That's, that's what I'm well, going to say there. Okay. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on the bright side of the road here. You know, this isn't regular uh, sports talk radio. We actually look on the bright side of the world. It's not the Fellowship of the Miserable. It's not? 
No, no, no. It's okay to be positive, Russ. I don't know if you've got Why? that. Why? Wow. <laughs> I, actually, I actually belong on this show. I think you do. That's why we had you on. It's okay to actually think the Patriots might actually win. It's okay to it's okay to believe that you know what just because Belichick you know hasn't won a Super Bowl in ten years that he's still the best coach in the league. It's okay on this show to think that the Patriots will actually win a Super Bowl. You know, it's okay not to question the draft. You know, I mean, we all looked at it and we were like, I mean, who knows what these guys are going to turn out to be? Jimmy Garoppolo could be the next Joe Montana. I'm not going to put him in Tom Brady's class yet. I mean, you know, he hasn't had to have a Giselle Bunchen with him. But who knows? <laughs> we all sit there. We, you know, we're, we're a bunch of talking heads out there. Why all the hostility on everything? This Logan Mankins trade, you know what? They moved on from Logan Mankins. I've seen it all over Twitter, all over Facebook, you know, all over Boston Sports Radio. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore this week. Or It's just... It's not the prophets of doom. Let's just sit back and realize what we're in the midst of right now. We are in the midst of one of the greatest runs any franchise has ever been on. And have they not been able to close the deal over the last 10 seasons? Yeah, okay, they haven't. But you know what? Logan Mankins, in the very end of things, he wasn't going to make a difference whether or not they won won the Super Bowl. And no disrespect to Logan Mankins, a phenomenal guard over the last 10 years for the New England Patriots. But maybe he's that bad luck guy, you know? 0-2 in the Super Bowl with him, 3-0 and without him, you know, all this time over the last five or six years, the issue has been, you know, pressure up the middle. That's how you get Brady out of his, out of his you know, comfort zone is pressure up the middle. As, as Steve Spagnuolo's Giants showed us in Super Bowl 42, maybe they, uh, they got rid of a guy a year too uh, – early instead of a year too late I'm, I'm not a, I'm not going to sit there and say it was a bad move because this is my team and I might be in the minority now but in, in Bill I trust because I remember the Raymond Berry the end of the years and Raymond Berry and the Rod Russ years and Dickie Mack I, I remember those years so oh they were horrible Bill, oh they were horrible in Bill I trust hey looking at Thursday night's game and Man, was anyone else impressed by the Seahawks in that game besides me? God, they look good. Are they another Super Bowl? Uh, do you think it hasn't happened in umpteen years? Do you think Seattle is as strong as they looked the other day against Green Bay? Russ, I'll start with you. Uh, well, you know what? It hasn't happened since since the Patriots repeated, and uh, they could very well do that. Uh, but it's funny, I, I've they were listen. They were they were very impressive. It's one game, and uh, and again, you want to be playing your best football at the end of the season. But uh, but I, I was impressed on both sides of the ball with them, and they're heading in the right direction. But um, we'll see. We'll see if they can keep it up. You know, again, it, it's difficult to do, but they're they're definitely trending obviously in the right direction now. Now, if they really want to be a special team, you know, a team that goes back to back. You have to do it each and every week, and let's see if they can do it. Yeah, Percy Harmon is who really impressed me in that game. I mean, I I knew he was good, but I don't know how he could have done anything else in that game other than bring water out during the timeouts. <laughs> I mean, he was just unreal. All right, Jeff Hunker's down. He's the guy that, that studies everything there is to know about professional football. We're getting ready for the first full weekend of games, Jeff, and there have been some rule changes. I was glad to see Thursday night we didn't see 9 million flags, uh, which I think is a good sign. But when you look at the rules changes this year, what do you think will have the biggest impact with the rule change on how the game is played? I still think it's going to be the reintroduction of that Mel Blount rule. You know, I mean, the, the emphasis on it. I, yeah, they didn't call a lot of plays on uh, on Thursday night, but let's be honest you got the Super Bowl champions coming back. They're a hard physical defense. And I'm not saying that the NFL is rigged here. But if with all the scrutiny that came out over the preseason, if all of a sudden the first game of the season has, you know, flags coming out all over the place, it would have been, you know, panic in the streets on Friday. I think they're going to call it a lot tighter this year. Obviously, they didn't call it as tight as as they had in the preseason. But we saw it after the 2000 and 
three playoffs where they came back out after uh, Peyton Manning threw four interceptions against uh, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. We saw Manning throw 20 more touchdown passes his following season in 2004. We saw Dante Culpepper throw for 800 more yards and 39 touchdowns. Now, granted, he did have Randy Moss, but Dante Culpepper's not that great of a quarterback. We saw scoring up that year. I don't know why they needed to touch anything because, I mean, Manning threw 55 touchdown passes. Jeff, I know why, Jeff. Jeff, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got, I've got your answer, and I'm sorry to, to cut in. because, because No, go. Because because you have the wrong name for for the rule. It's not the Mel Blunt rule. It's not the Ty Law rule. It's the Peyton Manning rule. It really exactly. is the Peyton Manning rule. Again, right after a huge beating that Peyton Manning deals with a, a with an aggressive defense, they they go through this emphasis again. It happened in 2003, like you mentioned. It happened against the Seahawks again. What happens? We have this point of emphasis. I call it the Peyton Manning rule. Forget about Mel Blunt. Forget about Ty Law. It's the Peyton Manning rule. Well, the question becomes, I mean, who's Peyton's friend now on the competition committee? I don't know. Bill Polian. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's going to be out there. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess the more commercials Peyton gets in, you know, if you can't win a Super Bowl on your own, when defense actually wins championships, has been going on forever, you know, you just grease the wall or something. I mean, is, is Archie buddies with, like, you know, Mike Tomlin, who's on the competition committee, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I just don't get it. Well, we, we've said this every week. Why do they need more offense? This, this was done so the no offense, idea, Bob. Last year, they, I mean, good God, look at the offensive teams last year. It was one game, the Super Bowl, and defense wins Super Bowls. That's the history of football. So I don't understand why they even went down those roads, but I've done my rants on that one. The- it's getting <laughs> sickening. It's getting sickening, the fact that all right, Dan Marino, in a magical 1984 season, throws for you know, 5,040 or 5,084 yards and 48 touchdown passes, you know, and he goes into the Super Bowl and loses, and you don't see anything happen there. The 49ers had a better defense, a better all-around team, then the 49 uh, then the Dolphins that year in Super Bowl 19 and they won. You didn't see anything happen and then it's almost what 25 years till 2000 was it 9 or 10 that that Drew Brees went over uh 5000 yards and now it happens every single season not only one guy but a couple guys. I mean Matthew Stafford's throwing for over 5000 <laughs> yards. I, I mean Eli Payton's little brother uh, is throwing for almost 5000. Does that yards. include the yards returned on interceptions? If it did, he threw for 7,522. Hey, they've, they've implemented some other new rules that I thought were kind of interesting. One, the dunking rule. And I'm wondering the impact that will have, not just dunking, but the emotions. I mean, the, the no-fun league, is, as it's referred to. Now, part of the reason they did this, and, and it all goes back to uh, when New Orleans' Jimmy Graham did it uh, in, the, in the game against uh, – I'm trying to remember the Falcons, I think it was, and he bent the goalpost so bad that the game was delayed. Now they've raised the the height yeah. of the, the the legs, which makes them much heavier, and that's part of the reasons they're afraid that someone will dunk and it'll pull the whole goalpost down, and we'll we'll have an hour and a half delay. They don't care if they throw 81 flags and we have an hour and a half delay. But but what a the No Fun League is is a nickname that they've had now for a few years in celebration. They've also made uh, this year on-field taunting and use of, and, and this is the one that's like, hang on, racial sexual slurs subject to unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Have you guys, when you played football, and I know most of us, you know, my, my highlight was flag football, but... But when you were on the line, you said stuff you never said at home, and I'm not talking about racial or sexual, but you did tend to try and get the guy across from you really pissed off. Uh, and and will players back off of the stuff they've done throughout the history of football because of these new rules? Jeff? God, I hope not. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it is the no-fun league. I just, I just don't get why they can't have a little entertainment in this. I mean, when Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco was doing his dancing and all that fun stuff he did in the end zone, that was fun. That was that brought the fans into the game. You know, he had a good laugh. I remember D 
Dion Branch, after he scored a touchdown one time, fell on the ground and did this wiggle, this worm wiggle. I mean, I was laughing. It was great. This, I mean, we're, we're talking about a game here that is played by oversized men who have a lot of fun. Let's let them have fun. You know, we're talking about guys that, you know, use racial uh, and ethics, ethnic slurs in regular conversation all the time. You know, I don't understand what's the big deal. This is football. This isn't, this isn't you know, tiddlywinks. You know, not everyone can get a trophy. Not everyone is going to be happy. Let these guys play. Let them have fun. I just, I never understand why they have to govern things so well. I mean, maybe it's, you know, I mean, I have two, two children, and, and, and I look at them, and but, I mean, you don't hear it on TV. When you're at the games, you know, you can hear it there and there. But these are guys that are emotionally charged up and, absolutely crazy in the head and I just don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. I'm not going to try to get it, but I just don't understand why they have to keep, you know, messing with a good thing. Well, and, and now with all the mics, you actually do hear it on TV. I can remember back, gee, it's going back a long way. At one point I had one of those big satellite dishes, the, the outdoor one was out of range for cable TV and you didn't have direct TV back then. But it used to be really neat. If you guys have ever had one of those way back then, you used to get the back feed. So when they would go to commercial, you would hear everything that was being said by the announcers while no one in the world was hearing them except you. And you'd have been amazed at some of the stuff people were saying. Uh, and finally, the NFL made them cut that feed for that very reason, because they were, you know, if someone really sucked on a play, and they couldn't mention it during the game, but afterwards, they'd, you know, talking to each other, they, they, they didn't hold back at all who was at flaw or at fault when something happened. All right, let's look ahead. Pats, on the season, Russ, your prediction for them this year? For the season? Yeah. For the season, I am going to predict 14-2. and two. I am going 14-2, and two, and the reason I am going 14-2, and two, the Patriots were 12-4 and four last season, and I do believe that Darrell Revis gives them two victories. So I'm going with 14-2. and two. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy 14-2, and two, but I truly believe that, that they can win 14 games. So I will, I'm going to stick by it, and I'm going to say 14-2 and two for the Patriots for the regular season. Okay. Now, we're going to hold you to that one. And, and you can hold me to it. I've already, said it. I, I I've already said it in several places, Bob. It's fine. Jeff, you know, Jeff was right. You belong on our show because Jeff is definitely a, a and I am too, a glass half full. And you walk down that road and... and Dr. Rose Colored yeah, Glasses. Yeah, there you go. We we gave him his doctorate a few. Uh, that's back when you were saying <laughs> Gronk was going to play, and we were all in doubt. So Doctor Rose Colored Glasses got that one right. Steve, well, not yet. We don't know. Yeah, well, it, according to Belichick, he may not, but I got a feeling right. he will. And and Bill does lie. We mentioned that last week uh, on last no. week's show that that he you know made this big speech on how great it was to have three quarterbacks and it really helped. And then twenty minutes later, he traded one of them. So. I, I, you know, he does tend to say things you really can't believe. Steve, what do you think this year? I think they're twelve and four, but uh, they're a much better team at twelve and four than they were last year. What's their biggest strength this year that they didn't have last year? Uh, this year, the defense to me is is much much stronger. I mean, uh, you're looking at depth in the secondary that's unprecedented, really in the Belichick era. And uh, I just think they have more and varied weapons on the offense that they're still going to, you know, win 12 games. They're going to drop four, but I think they're going to be a much, much better football team than they were last year. And I agree. 12 and four is what I picked when Jeff and I did it last week. And Jeff, you made your prediction. You want to repeat now? You're, sure, I can repeat now, yeah. and I'll, I'll. You're the low ball here. You're yeah, Mr. I am optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the fellowship of the miserable yeah. now. <laughs> I actually, uh, I see this team as 11 and five this year. Tempered expectations, uh, only because so many new pieces on defense, guys coming back off of injuries. You know, the offense wondering where Gronk's going to be, and a lot of hard road games. Again, season to season, you don't know where it is. Ultimately, I think they might be 11-5, and five, but ultimately I do still see them getting to the Super Bowl and winning because I think that 
they're going to play so much better after Thanksgiving. A staple in the Belichick regime here is how much better they play in the end of November, December, and January. And I think as a team, they're all better, but I think it's going to take a little time to gel. All right, it's time for my my and I said twelve and four, and I I'm you know there's there's a stretch in the season where they have some bad back to back games, uh, and and in one instance, fortunately, they've got the bye week, which I was shocked, um, and we talked about this back when the schedule was first released. That once again they are really lucky where they are getting the bye week. I mean, you want it late in the season or at least past the halfway point. They've been very fortunate that that's what has happened with them. Uh, And they've got it again this week. I forget exactly which week it is. I've got the schedule here somewhere. But let's look at the team, and, you know, we're close to kickoff. Who's not going to be active in his first game? Any sense of of someone that's going to surprise people as maybe not being active? Russ? Wow, you really caught me off guard there, Bob. I'm now I'm now racking my brain, and, and you know I don't like the See, multitask. See, you should have read all so my – no, is... I don't think I sent that one out, though. So <laughs> you're on your own there. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so so I'm – who could not be active? That's that's a great question. Um, I think I'm going to pass this on to Steve. Steve? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, my, my, uh, my guys that aren't going to be active tomorrow – we all know Buchanan and, and Jones won't be. I don't believe that Don Jones, uh, the, the safety, um, I'm going to say Don Jones, that would be number three. And we still have four more guys to go. I would say Cameron Fleming, um, Tavon Wilson, who man? And I need one more guy. Who's going to be my guy to sit? Um, boy, that's a tough one. I think they're going to be looking at this all year long. I, I'm going to say Brandon Bolden. That's where ah, I, yes. I, Good no, thing that's that where guy I was going to go. And I, I know <laughs> my partner who just jumped in is going to have another orgasm. He's going to go right back. <laughs> Order again, man. You've really enjoyed this show, Jeff. We should do this more often. <laughs> we, we, we've talked running backs. That's the best you've done in months. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot, pal. You're just the best. We've talked running backs today. We've talked Brandon Bolden not playing. I mean, that guy is the most useless. Oh, uh, never mind. Never mind. I, 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 I well, I second that, Jeff. You, go ahead. You know that I feel the exact same way about Brandon Bolden. I, I don't. I don't get Brandon Bolden, so. I I just, I don't get, for everything that, you know, people say, oh, well, he had five yards of carry and this and that. Yeah, because he's got like 74 yards on two carries where I could have gained 50 yards. Now, wait a minute. Hang on. And I hope to finish the 40. (laughs) You're going over, you've gone over the edge again, Jeff. That's you may, you may have gained 25 or 30. You, there's no way you're running 50 yards. And, and I just told you, I, I, I hope to finish the 40, but I would have finished it. There were Mack <laughs> truck-sized holes for him last year. Well, uh, I just I don't get it. And, uh, and looking at the list, and, I, and Bolden is one that, Steve, I kind of looked at and said, so what if he doesn't play? I, I mean, other than on special teams, which, you know, They've got so many special. This this team seems to me to have more special teamers that are dedicated just to the special team than other teams in the NFL. It, 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 does anyone else feel that way? I mean, you look at we mentioned Matthew Slater, uh, Nate Ebner. I mean, that's all he does. He can't play anywhere else. Bolden is pretty much a special teamer, and I'm certain I'm missing some others. First White. First White. Yeah. Do do other teams? Yeah, he's gonna let's let him sit next. Let's let him sit tomorrow. <laughs> but do do Russ? Do you see other teams having as many players dedicated to special teams on their roster, or have you ever looked at it? I don't want to put you on the hot seat. Well, I haven't. I haven't really, you know, studied like like you do, Bob, because you basically gave us a book to prepare for this uh, 
this show today, and I'm and, still uh, reading and, it. and you know, and, and I'm going through it, and I'm still, I'm telling you, my head is hurting just looking at, at your your agenda for today. But I, I'm I'm just kidding with you. Uh, but this section brought to you by Advil. Exactly, exactly. But but I w- I will say this. Um, listen, Belichick emphasizes special teams. There's there's no question about it. I think he takes it to the extreme. I would rather have, I don't know, um, you know, again, someone that someone that could start or, or fill in, be a be an extra special teamer than than have these specialists. I mean, they really have a bunch of specialists out there that are strictly special team play, players. And again, nothing against Nate Ebner, but is Nate Ebner going to help you during the game except for special teams? Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. But but again, he's very valuable to them. So Nate Ebner plays, you know, and again, it, it, it drives me a little nuts, but, but, uh, I think, I think, uh, Belichick takes it to the extreme. I don't think that there's a team that emphasizes it as much as he does. Well, and, and I'm going to do my Mike Reese kissy kissy thing, which I, I always do at least one. And now you've had the orgasm, (laughs) (laughs) but he did put out a projected inactive list. And, and Steve, you got most of them. He's got Buchanan, Fleming, Wilson, and I was surprised by how well Wilson played, by the way, at the end of the preseason. Chris Jones. Now, the other the other ones he mentioned, uh, Silver, Saliga, because of yep. health, you don't know. I mean, he, 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 is he ready to go? Zach Moore. Uh, oh. Again, he, he, he is one that he had listed as potential. Uh, and Jordan Devy. Now that one surprised me a little bit because Devy on the offensive line had more snaps in the preseason than anyone else, and they are still in a, a state of flux with that offensive line. But they've got a lot of players there. So Devy's the other one he mentioned. Uh, so you, you pretty much hit his on the nose. Other than you mentioned Who Man, and that one kind of jumped out at me. Is Who Man still hurt? Do you think, Steve? Well, I mean, we haven't really seen him since the beginning of training camp, so it's tough to judge on that. You know, uh, I heard he's back at practice now, but is he ready to go? I mean, that's that's the question I have. And you know, with with Gronkowski and and Wright, and uh, they can still plug uh, Devlin in where they need him. Uh, I don't know. Um, that was a question I had. You know, I would rather see Hooman in there because for obvious blocking situations, you'd rather have him than Gronkowski in there. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I still have questions about whether or not he's healthy or not. Well, and Wright, the, the signing of Wright, to me, was a, was huge. And I know Jeff disagrees with me 100% on this, but I... I, I actually like the move. Well, I, I mean, I, I looked at their tight ends, and it's nice to think that Gronk is going to be healthy all year, but there's absolutely nothing to back up why you should think that way. And, man, if he wasn't playing, they don't have anyone else that could catch the ball. So I, I was very impressed with Wright. I know it was the first game. Belichick seemed very impressed with him. Now, going... And we, I see we're running short on time, Jeff. Let's look at... How many? TikTok. Yeah. How many tablets the, the, that they're using on the sideline is Belichick going to break, throw down, and disgust <laughs> before the season ends? You got 16 games. How many tablets are you going to see Belichick throw to the ground and disgust at some point during the season? Steve, I'm going to start with you. How many tablets are we going to go through this year? I, I'm, I'm going to put my over under starting at three. Okay. <laughs> And and I'm wondering whether they take them out of their salary because three tablets Belichick doesn't need to worry about. Russ, how many is it going to break, buddy? Oh, I, I'm saying one a game. Forget the forget the three, Steve. I I think he's yeah. going to break one a game. That that wouldn't shock. Me. He's frustrated with him. You can see it in the games. It's like what the exactly. hell is this? Exactly. I don't know what to do with this. He doesn't know how to use it. He's <laughs> he, you know he's just really frustrated with it. All right, Jeff. Russ is three. What's your number? I don't know if I can put an exact number on it, but I can definitely say that Bill Belichick is going to be the first coach fined for throwing it at an official after he comes <laughs> nice. in an like explanation. That. Well, that was like in the preseason game. 
and and they had uh, I forget which official it was. And before the game, he went over and said, "No, I want you throwing the flag a whole bunch. I'm I'm all in favor of it. And if you're going to do it during the season, and then that's the game he got an unsportsmanlike conduct because he got so pissed off when they threw a flag in the preseason. He was running out in the field. I think it was an interference or whether a catch was out of bounds or not. So uh, he he does tend to get frustrated, and that tablet is driving him nuts. So I I don't know what the number is either but i'm i'm like i'm gonna go an over under i think it'll be somewhere around eight and and that's my <laughs> number and and i'm sticking with it now here we go final final thoughts the game what do you think russ final score final score i have uh bob 24 21 patriots uh late field goal wins the game by Stephen goskowski i think it's going to be very, very close. Again, I, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. I think the Patriots have enough to beat them, and uh, I'm, I'm saying that they're going to win by a field goal, but it's going to be close. It's going to be, unfortunately, probably your last drive field goal to win the game. So I'm going 24-21, Pats. All right, Steve? You know, I have it at 24-20. I, I have it as a, you know, a late stop this year instead of a a late touchdown by the opposition. I think the Patriots' defense makes a stand at the end, and they win 24-20. I do believe it's going to be a close game as well. Jeff? All right, even though I did say earlier today that it could go either way, I do believe that the Patriots win this one 24-14, only because I see them pulling away late. I think it's close until the fourth quarter, and then, as I said, the depth that the Patriots have on both sides of the ball start to pull away from the Miami Dolphins. So I think uh, it's a 10-point game. Jeff, wait a minute. You just said before, you know, it could go either way. 10 points is not either way, my friend. (laughs) I I know it could go either way, and I just said that. I'm contradicting myself. (laughs) I'm just saying it's it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to contradict myself. I know it can go either way because it could very well be 24 to 14 for the uh, for the Dolphins, but I I just like that twenty four to fourteen okay. feel. I like I like it. All right, so it'll be seventeen to fourteen, and and then and then Belichick will you know throw a bomb to Aaron Dobson and say, hey, we can take the cover off the ball. You oh. can calm down, fellowship for the miserable. We we have a wide receiver that can catch a ball long from Brady. You guys are all thinking back to last year when they couldn't score early in the year. I'm going twenty seven seventeen, Pats. I and wow. and even then. You know, if they score 30, I won't be surprised. This offense, I think, is explosive. I think it has the potential. And, yeah, Miami's defense is okay, but I, I'm, I'm going 27-17. And, well, and, Bob, Bob, I belong yeah. on this show. You are more optimistic than myself. <laughs> now, later on, I may change, but you guys are all basing it on how they couldn't score last year and couldn't score in the red zone and so had so much trouble. So the three so extra points trouble. that you're giving is a good thing? I mean, well, it's, it's three hey, points. Hey, it's, <laughs> I almost said 31-17, but I chickened out of that one. I backed down when all you guys were in the low 20s. I mean, 24? All three of you said 24 <laughs> points? Is yep. it? Three touchdowns and a field goal? Hey, great minds think alike. Great minds think alike, Bob. Great. And listen, you're in Florida. You said the heat, so I'm thinking yeah. lower points. Okay. All right. All right, Jeff. Russ, you are definitely welcome on this show anytime. And, of course, Steve, you are as well anytime you guys want. All right, Jeff. We need to. I'm certain we need to wrap it up. So I'm going to throw it to you to to see what we need to do to wrap up because I know our time's about out. I believe. Sure, not a problem at all. I suppose I can wrap this things up. Of course, uh, please uh, do follow uh, Patriots Beat at Patriots Beat myself on Twitter at Boston Fat Guy and my partner in crime, the old man at Snowden Bob. And I will throw it over to Russ and Steve to let everyone know where they can follow them and their great website, PatsFans.com. Thanks there, Jeff. Uh, you can follow me at Russ underscore Goldman. Also follow our show, Patriots 4th and 2. And, Steve, I'll send it over to you. Yeah, you can follow me at Steve seven uh, Steve B7SFG on Twitter. It's not good when you can't remember your own <laughs> Twitter. I know. Page. Well, I don't, I don't tweet myself. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere, but I won't. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> 
Okay, we've already been down that road with Jeff twice, so we won't. All righty. Well, here we go now. So, anyways, guys, thank you very much for uh, for joining us on uh, this podcast. Uh, a great time with our good friends. And uh, tune in after the game and after every game for the CLNS Radio Patriots post game show. Three four seven two one five seven 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 one is the call in number. You can of course follow along on. Twitter at, at Patriots Beat and at CLNS Radio. Myself and Patrick Shankauer will be doing the post game show. So tune in and of course call in and we like when Russ and Steve call in because, you know, they let us know that we're we're dum dums and I like that. So <laughs> All right, Patriots fans. Uh eleven and five and it's gonna be a close game, twenty four to fourteen. We'll see you guys next week on Patriots Beat and thank you very much to our friends from Patriots Fourth and Hey, have a great week everybody. It's real football. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.